Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told, told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, the stars in the sky, and make yours and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? God, will you bless the reading and preaching of your word? Will you speak through my dad so that your truths will mold our hearts? Lord, we love you and thank you for how you have loved us first. Amen. Amen. So, as we were preaching through this text, we picked up on it. It was about a promised son who God calls Abraham to sacrifice. I don't know about you, but when you don't have trust in what's going on, you have zero peace. This week, we're looking at peace. We're looking at what it, how God brings that peace. And for me, God answered a prayer and gave me peace 
with those two boys. Um, Emily and I, we got married when we were, were basically 21. I was a week away from being 21. Couldn't even legally drink at my own wedding. Um, finished, finished, she finished college, and we decided we wanted to try to have kids. Well, couldn't. Like it, we tried. Like We tried and tried and tried, and nothing was working out. Um, it took the fun out of trying, <laughs> okay? Um, so we, we started seeing doctors and, and all, all this, and there was zero peace. There was zero peace. Like, literally, it almost destroyed our marriage, if I'm honest. Like, we were hanging on by a thread. But there wasn't peace until, like, God pointed us in the direction of, of seeing this doctor, uh, Dr. Silver, this short little Jewish guy who is just... A genius, like the dude was a genius, and he like he's he was at this cutting edge. He was at the very beginning of all these different things with like in vitro and all this stuff. And I mean, he, our, just our first consultation with him just brought peace, and just brought peace. I'm like, I trust this guy. I hadn't trusted a doctor yet. I mean, we saw some kooks out there. If you've ever <laughs> been down this road, like there's some people out there, and you're like, y'all, you guys are in some weird stuff. Like this isn't. <laughs> Like, I, I'm not doing that. Like, we just, just want to have a kid, you know? But this doctor brought peace because he knew, like, what he was talking about. I could count that he was serious. Like, he, knew, he just he knew. He knew his stuff. And so we go through this whole process of in vitro. And I remember coming home. I had been working out of town. I was working construction at that time. And I came, come in the front door. It was, like, a Thursday night. And Emily's, like, stand there pumped because, like, Finally, a pregnancy test that, like, read positive instead of negative. And then, like, I mean, in vitro is not cheap, y'all. So if you like, know anything about it, we went, and they, I don't remember at what point they're like, you're having twins. I was like, yes. And I'm thinking, that's more bang for the buck. Like, you know, <laughs> I got to get something, like, out of this. You know, they're expensive. But there was like just this peace. And so as I look at this text, I was like, man, I, I want them to come up here and read this because... I had trusted somehow, some way, God was going to provide children for us, and God has blessed us with those boys and a daughter who's downstairs. We got to adopt through foster care. I mean, if you haven't picked up on it, this church is about foster care. It's about adoptive families, and so like my daughter, she's she's going to be 18 in a, in a few weeks, and she's downstairs serving in the kids, and so it's just God has blessed us, and I knew somehow, some way, He was going to do it. I didn't know all the details and the intricacies of how he would pull that together. But there was no peace in my life until we like got in that doctor's office over at St. Luke's. And so right now, I just want you to think, like, where are you at in your life that you're lacking complete peace? Where, like, for real, like, just process that like where just for a minute just give me some real thought like in your life where is the the most lack of peace that you have and if i'm i bet if you're honest it's where you lack the most trust in god wherever that lack of peace is at it's where you lack the most trust in god maybe it's maybe it's a relationship that you have whether it's with your spouse or uh, a to-be spouse soon, you know, or, or maybe it's with a, with, with, with a child, maybe it's with a parents or a sister or a brother, wherever it's at. Maybe, maybe there's just no peace there. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's with your finances. 
Maybe it's in a matter of putting your faith in God for your salvation. And that's where you lack the most peace because you're just like struggling to figure out like what your life looks like. And it's because you lack trust in God. I know I did. I've been there. And for me, like where I see myself with the most lack of peace is probably when I trust God the least in my relationships with other people because I have an acceptance idol and I'll get really wrapped up in my own head about what people think about me. And I'll stop trusting God and I'll start to try to control situations. I have a control idol too, so I have a lot of issues. I'm really messed up. And so I will try to like control situations so people like me because I lack trust in God in those areas and that creates just no peace. See, I just want to be transparent with you that I'm, I'm no different than you just because I'm standing up here with a goofy headset on my head. Like, I go through the same struggles, and I want you today to think about this because as we look at Abraham's life, we could read through this as just another story in the Bible that gets told in Sunday school or whatever, and it's not. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. And I want to give you some background for who Abraham is because just to be real, I mean, some of you may not know. Maybe you've never heard the story of Abraham. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it read. Maybe you're watching online and like, I don't even know why God would tell this dude named Abraham to go and sacrifice his kid. But let me give you some background. After Noah and the ark, so if you don't know that, like God floods the whole earth and he has this guy named Noah build this giant boat, basically an ark and get all the animals in it. And then they're in there for a long time and all the water goes away. And then you have the Tower of Babel where these people are trying to build up this giant tower to get to heaven and they're just very like um, in sync with one another and God mixes up the languages and sends people all over the place and so now you have people speaking different languages. And after that you'll see in the Bible that these generational lines, it leads to a man named Abram at the time. That's where you get your name at, dude, if you didn't know. Um, God calls him to leave his family and his homeland to his like, parents and to take his wife, all his possessions, and to go to a land that God had promised him. Okay, so Abraham is faithful in that. He does that. He, he goes and God tells him that he's going to make him a great nation, and through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so as we look at this, this is what we get to now wait for Jesus to return, because that's what God was talking about to Abraham, that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. And so he does this. He goes. And, and, and what happens after that, it gets really weird because like Abram has all this trust in God to leave and go into this different land. But then once he's there, he starts to lack trust in God. And it creates a really, again, no peace for him. He, he lies about Sarah being his wife twice. And other people take her as their wife Luckily, God intervened before too much happened there. I'm keeping this sermon PG, but, you know, like God intervenes before too much happens there. And they're like, why did you tell us that this is your sister, not your wife? And, and they're just frustrated with Abraham. They, they give him some stuff and send him on his way. And he just keeps acquiring things. And all the while, he knows, like, they're waiting for a son. Because God's telling him, like, through your, gener- through your lineage, through generations after you, I'm going to bless all the earth. And he's like i got to have a kid to do that. And he's getting old. He's getting real old. And so Sarah, his wife, she says, well, just go and be with my servant, Hagar. And so he does. And and here's what happens. He's taken it into his own hands now. He lacks trust in God. And so he goes and he gets with Hagar, and they they have a son together, Ishmael. 
This creates more turmoil than it could have ever gave a solution to this problem of not having a lineage and, and someone to carry on his name and to bless all the nations through. It's, it creates a mess. His wife, Sarah, is just furious at Hagar and feels like she's being mocked now and she wants to send them off. And then God comes along and he tells them, no, you're going to have a son. And what I'm going to do is not going to be through Ishmael. I will take care of Ishmael. Like he doesn't just kick him out and leave him to go, but like he, he takes care of him. He says, no, you're going to. And so at 100 years old, Abraham has a child. Like some of you are like past 40, and you're thinking, there ain't no way I want to have a child now, right? Like I'm 38, and I'm like, man, like I wanted a kid 20 years ago. Not right now. Like that would be crazy. But Abraham, at, at 100, Sarah, not far behind him, and they get this child, Isaac. And here, here's what I want you to see. The first point is this. is trusting in God brings a peace unlike anything in this world. You can try to take things in your own hands, just like Abraham did, and, and try to, well, I'm going to go and control this. Just like what I just confess to you guys that I do sometimes. I try to go and I try to control things and, and make sure that everything's just how I want it to be because then I feel like everything's good and I can feel like I'm in my place. Abraham and Sarah desired that child for so long. And they expected God to provide, but then when they take the matters in their own hands, they're like, now what? And then God says, no, here's the child I'm giving you. Jesus is what we really are waiting for now that gives us that peace. Like we sometimes, like we want to have peace in this world. And so what we do is we try to take matters in our own hands. Right? Like we think if we do this cause as a church or if we vote this way for politicians or if we post this on Facebook, like it's going to create some type of calmness and peace. And it won't. Like the only thing that's going to really bring us peace is the long-awaited return of the one and only son, Jesus Christ. Like there will be no peace until he comes back. And so for us... We have to see like where God is working in our lives because Jesus is the only one that's going to bring peace to us in those situations. Because God's going to test you. He's just like he tests Abraham. He's going to do different things and allow different things to happen to you. You're going to think, man, this is chaotic. I don't know what to do. And you're going to have a choice. Like either turn to the prince of peace for peace or you try to take the matters in your own hands. And so Abraham here in this situation, he starts to get tested by God. In verse 1 of chapter 22, That's what we see. He says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here am I. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I want you to see that. He says tested, okay? Because a lot of people would see this and they'd say, well, God's commanding him to go and do child sacrifice, that was what the pagans did. That was what not, that's not what God's people did. And God never was intending for him to go and to sacrifice Isaac. And we have to see that because God's going to put you in situations and allow things to happen to you where you're being tested, and he never intends for you to go sin. He is not setting you up to sin so that you can prove your faithfulness to him. And a lot of people say that, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to advance the kingdom of God. And sometimes they'll say that, and then they'll, they'll go into sinning to do it. That's why we see churches with really bad theology. And stupid signs out in front of their church. Okay? And if you drive down Collins, you'll pick up on what I'm saying. Okay? So, with that, like, we can't take and say, well, I'll do whatever it takes 
because God's put me in a situation to reach people. No, see, like God was testing Abraham not to go off into sin. So he loved his son. He's telling him, your only son, your, your only son Isaac, whom you love, what might God be calling you to let go of or testing you to let go of today? Think about that for a second. Like, what might he be calling you? He's calling Abraham to take his only son, the son he's waited so long for, that he's just been yearning for, like, it's, this is all he's ever wanted. And he's saying, go sacrifice him. And he, like, even, he doesn't just say, hey, go get your son. He goes, your only son, the son that you love. Like, he's like, go get the thing that you cherish the most in this whole world, and now give it up. And again, he was testing him. But here's the thing. Some of us in this room, there's things that we cherish so much, we love so much, and God is calling you to give it up. And it's not going to be sinful for you to do so. It actually would be a righteous thing, a holy thing for you to give it up. Because you've placed something so high, some creation so high, that it has now went above the creator. You've taken this gift from God, and you've elevated it above the giver of that gift. So is God calling you right now? And we would be ignorant of us to sit in this room and think that no one in this room has nothing that God's calling them to give up or to let go of, or at least testing you in. What is God doing right now in your life? You're like, man, he's testing me. He's really pushing my faith in this area. I'm holding on to this thing, and I really, really want it, but I know that it's in my way of my faith in God. Maybe it's not even creating peace for you anymore because you've clinged to it for so long. It could be, again, it could be a job. It could be an unhealthy relationship. It could be pride. Here's a big one this time of year. Maybe God's calling you to let go of unforgiveness. You're getting ready to have to be around family that you like, are doing good to spend 10 minutes in a room with. Because you don't know why? Because you've been clinging to unforgiveness for so long because you don't trust God enough to work it out for you. And there's no peace. There's no peace. So like you've made this unforgiveness an idol. Like you hold on to it and cling to it and you almost love the unforgiveness because it leaves you in control. And you're just like, man, I want, I'm not letting go of this God because if I let go of this unforgiveness, then I got to be vulnerable to those people who hurt me. And I got to sit there with them and exchange gifts and eat meals and I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to eat ham with them. I hope they choke on the ham. <laughs> Like, for real, like, that's where you're at because you, you've elevated this and you're like, I got this and I'm in control. And God's saying, no, I'm testing you. Let go of it. Like, literally, kill that unforgiveness and move on. This is different than sacrificing your son. He's calling you to let go of something that is sinful and wrong and we're clinging to it. Maybe right now it's, it's money, it's possessions. We're calling you to, to give $25,000 to go to these non-for-profits, these different ministries. And you're like, dude, I got Christmas to buy. I've got this to pay off. I've got this going on. And you want me to give more money? Yeah, 100%. Because I see you all at Verona and Starbucks and whatever else you do. I know how much money I waste at Verona, all right? So like, I know you could give something. So yeah, maybe God's calling you and testing you to let go of your possessions that you've clinged to because you've made it all that you are about. That's who you are. But here's the deal. When God calls you to let go of something, he's not just doing it so that he can just 
watch you suffer. He's calling you to walk in obedience so that he can make you more into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ, which is going to bring you peace. It's going to bring you peace. And that's what Abraham did. He walked in obedience. He went against his common sense. He went against his natural affections, and he walked in obedience. He got some servants. He got a donkey. He got a son, and he had the stuff to do the burnt sacrifice, and he went. He went on his way, and he trusted God the whole time. He didn't just let go and let God. If you have a coffee mug or a shirt with that on it or even a picture in your house, I would suggest you go home and you throw that bad theology in the trash. Okay, like he didn't just let go and let God. That's not biblical. What he did, he, he was obedient. Okay, because if he would have let go and let God, he would have just, okay, God, let me go up here and just see what happens. And some of us, that's what we do is, well, well David said I should let go of some things. I'm going to hold on to some forgiveness, so I'm just going to let go and I'm not going to do anything else. Well, if you let go of the unforgiveness and yet you're not praying and you're not trying to walk out love towards that person you're unforgiving, then you're just acting like God's just going to do this. And, and it probably isn't going to happen that way. It takes obedience. See, Abraham had obedience. He, he was trusting God, but then he was walking that out. He was going and doing what he was called to do. And when we do that, we can really trust and, and rely on this promise from Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that, those, that for those who love God, hear me, for those that love God. This is not for everyone. Okay, I want to clarify that. This promise is for believers who love God that all things work together for good. Not always the good that you want for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, hear me again. Our good is not the good that you would normally think of. Our good is found in Christ. So when God is working all things together for our good, for good is his good that's going to glorify him, that's going to elevate him, that's going to expand his kingdom, and that will bless you along the way. But when we trust him and we let go of trying to be control freaks, then we can know that he's working all things together for us. So Abraham, with that in mind, he, he could walk in obedience because he had a promise from God that God was going to work all things together for good, though he didn't have Romans 8, 28. He knew that God was working all things together for the good, not just of him, but for all nations and for all generations to come. Because here's the deal. No Isaac meant no Israel. No Israel meant no Christ. No Christ meant no salvation that means no church. We're just, we're not here today. Okay? So I, Abraham knew, like, okay, God, you're calling me to do this. I don't know how it's going to work out. But he knew that God had a plan then to bless all nations. So Isaac wasn't just going to go away. It couldn't work that way. But here's the problem. We have a view of God and our understanding of the Bible that causes us not to trust God. We, we see the Bible as these individual little stories throughout the whole history of time, and we don't see it from cover to cover the way it should be seen. And so what we do is when we go through life, we don't see that he's working all things together for his ultimate good, for his, Jesus' return, and for eternity to be ushered in. And I want to give you an example, because have you ever heard the Bible explained this way? Like if someone's like, hey, what's the Bible about? And like, well, the Bible is basic information before leaving earth. That's as dumb as let go and let God, okay? When you view the Bible as like some basic information for you to like figure out how you're going to navigate, you know, like what you're going to do tomorrow, you're missing it. 
the Bible from cover to cover, from first page to the last page, is about Jesus Christ. That's it. It's all about him. Every single story is about Jesus and what he is being, from what Corey preached last week in Genesis 3, where we see the sin enter the world and God's promising the seed of a woman's going to come and going to crush the head of the serpent. Like it is the first promise of a Messiah. And so from cover to cover, it is about Jesus. And so when we view the Bible that way, when we see that Jesus is the central event of all history, his life, his death, his resurrection, the whole thing, when we read that into our own lives, and when we look at this account here with Abraham and Isaac, we can rest and be like, God's got this under control. He's got it all figured out. Like, he's not just winging this thing. He's got a plan because it all points to Jesus. And so for us, when God calls us to trust him, to let go of our control, to be obedient, we do it with Jesus in view. Because then we know he's got this handled. He's got it all taken care of. And so just like Abraham then, awaiting a son, awaiting this promise to bless all the nations, Israel is, they're awaiting a Messiah. And now for us, we're awaiting Jesus to return. And it's why we walk in obedience, because he's called us to, to go and to make disciples, to tell, people about Je- to tell people about him. It's why we give to things like that video we watched so we can send people across the globe to go and to tell people about this long-awaited Messiah that has came and died in our place and who's going to return. It gives a peace. Like, man, I've sat in some places where they had nothing, nothing, sitting there just in crazy scenarios talking to people about Jesus, and yet they had way more hope than I have. They have way more peace than I have because, like, they truly believed everything in this Bible. Like, they cling to it. And here, like, we have too much comfort, and I, and they, I don't get it the way they do, but they, like, when you have nothing else, and you've let go of all things, and you know God's in control, like, the, the reality of Jesus brings honest peace. And so there's a peace in knowing that God is saying to us right now, I've got this. But here's a question I want to ask you. If this was God saying this to you, do you trust me? Not me, but do you, if God saying this to you, do you trust me? Do you trust him? Like, do you really trust that God has your best interest in mind? Is he looking out for you? And then we, we take this, and obviously we're not some prosperity gospel church. And when your best interest is not so that you're healthy, wealthy, and pro- prospering, that's not it. Like your best interest is that you'll spend eternity with God and that his kingdom will be advanced and you'll be able to play a part of it because he's prepared good works. So God is asking Abraham that. And he's asking you that now too. Do you trust the Lord? And Abraham believed that nothing was too hard for the Lord. Look at verse I think this is so interesting in in chapter 22 when he says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. He trusted God. He trusted him. He's like, we're coming back. I don't know how. He didn't like want to verbalize that right then, but he didn't know how. But he's like, we're coming back to you. We're on our way. Just, just stay here. We'll, we'll come back. I and the boy will come again to you. He knew no matter what that he was coming back. That even meant that God would resurrect Isaac. And, and we know that from Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. 
It's showing the kind of faith and trust that he had in God. That he's like, man, even if I have to do this, like God's going to resurrect him. Like he believed in God's resurrecting power before he even knew that Jesus was going to come and die and be resurrected. He knew that was the kind of God that he served. And so when we can believe that about God, we can say, yeah, I trust you. Because no matter what, like, yeah, that relationship's messed up. And if I let go of this unforgiveness, it's going to be interesting. But God can resurrect that relationship that you thought was completely demolished. He can do something that you've never even seen done before. I mean, like, I think, if anything, in the past 18 months as us merging churches together, we've seen God do some things. We're like, whoa, okay, cool. Like, I didn't know I was going to be part of something like this. This is pretty neat. Like, he does things that we cannot wrap our mind around because nothing is too hard for the Lord. Like, hear me with that. Like, nothing is too hard for the Lord. And we, we've put limitations on him because we have limitations on ourselves. So but do you believe that, that nothing is too hard for him? Abraham did. Hopefully you do too, that you really believe. Like, nothing is too hard for God. He can get it all done. And, and here's what I love about Advent. I, this is, like... It's funny. I'm not a big like Christmas fan, and I don't like Christmas music. I can't stand snow. But yesterday, we're in the we're, we we went pheasant hunting, and my wife went. She wanted to see the dog do what the dog does, and so like we had on the radio and Christmas music was on, and I I can't sing at all. I'm horrible. Okay, and so but I was like singing Christmas music. She's like, looks over at me from the pasture. She's like, what's What's up with you? You're singing Christmas music? She's like, God's really sanctified you. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's just it's past Thanksgiving, as long as it's past Thanksgiving and not past, the, like, come, you know, from just like December 1st to December 25th, I'm cool with Christmas music. And, and I, here's the thing, though, what I do love about Christmas, I joke about it, but it lets me be reminded that God is going to send Jesus back. Like this Advent, this waiting, like we talked about last week, the Advent, that's what it is, waiting. I know that Jesus is returning, and there's nothing in this world that I love to do more than missions, to tell people about Jesus, about the gospel, how they can have salvation through him and what he's done on the cross. And so when I think of Christmas, I think about Jesus returning and coming back because we get to help usher in that kingdom by the work that we get to do. And so do you believe that, that God can do these things, that he, can, that he will return? Sometimes we just go through life and we're like, yeah, I've given up on that. I'm just going to live. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to die. But Jesus is one. He's victorious. He is coming back. And we get to be part of that. If we have faith in him and we trust him, if we've been asked him to forgive us of our sins, we've repented, we get to be part of that because he was the atonement for our sin. And that's the part that I love about this story the most is that when we see like that ram caught in the thicket. Just behold the Lamb of God is what they could have cried out. The next, this is on, this is John 1.29, okay? This is John, this is John writing about John the Baptist. The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's a story about a pastor teaching, a youth pastor teaching a group of students this story. And as they're telling through the story, there's this girl who it's like it all just clicked at, at once. And she starts shouting in the middle of his lesson, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. She's like pumped. And because she sees it, 
She sees that it's Jesus. This whole story of this son going up and a father going to sacrifice him, that it was all pointing to Jesus. And she just like gets it in that moment. And for nothing else, I want you to see that today. Like there's going to be these parallels I want you to see on, on the screen. You've got... Can we put the first one up, Debbie? Because my notes are a little different than the way I sent them to you, so I don't want to get confused. You have Isaac, an only son. Like he tells him, go and take your only son, your son that you love. What do we have with Jesus? The only son. All right? And then we have them going up on this mount, this hill, to go and to, to do this sacrifice, right? And so what we see is we see Mount Moriah. And then we see Mount Golgotha. Like, there, there is speculation in, in some in historians that are way smarter than me of biblical history. They say this could be in the same mountain range or in the same formations. Like, think about that. Where, where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, that's where Jesus was sacrificed in our place as our substitutionary atonement for our sins. Like, th- this is huge, okay? Like, you see Jesus in this. Next, think about this. You have wood for an offering that Isaac's carrying on his back up this mountain. Jesus is carrying a wooden cross through a city up this mountain so he can go in and die obediently for you, for me, in our place. Next, we see just this obedience of a son with obedience. Isaac's obedient to Abraham. Think about this, okay? He had to be like a young teenager. He's like my boy's age maybe at this time. So that meant Isaac was 100, and, or Abraham would have been 112 years old. Guess what he could have done? I guarantee he could have outran Abraham. All right? Like he's 112. I know they live longer in biblical times, but I don't think this dude was winning a foot race. All right? Like if I'm like looking around like, dude, you're getting ready to sacrifice me? Like he lays down on this stone. He's going to be sacrificed. Like he, he could have wrestled him. He could have outdone him. He could have got away from Abraham, but he's obedient to his father. And we see Jesus obedient to his father, to God. Like he goes in that garden and he cries out, not my will, but your will be done. Like he's obedient to the point of death on a cross. And then what do we see? We see the substitutionary atonement because right before Abraham's going to go and he's going to sacrifice his son, that knife is raised God stops him, and there's a ram over there in the thicket. And it's a ram for a reason. It's a ram for a reason because the lamb was coming. The lamb was coming. The lamb of God is Jesus Christ. And so there's a substitutionary ram in place of Isaac that Jesus is the substitutionary lamb of God. Guys, do you see it? Like, that is what I wanted you to see today more than anything is you can trust in God and have peace through God because he has done all this. And from cover to cover, from the beginning of history to the end of history, it has all been about Jesus. And your story, my story, our story is heights. Just gets to be a small little blimp in it, but it is a magnificent blimp that we get to play part of. And so today, I'm just calling you, like if you've got something you're clinging to that you need to trust in God and have peace in, Today's the day to do as we, as we go to move into a time of, of response. Just do that. Like, just give it over to him. And maybe today you're here and you're like, I've never given my life to Christ. I have zero peace because I'm, I'm like, I'm wrestling what's even going to happen to me if I were to die because I'm a sinner and I've done so much wrong. Know that Jesus took care of all this and this beautiful story of Abraham and Isaac points to it. So I've, we're going to move to a time of response. And there's going to be some questions that's going to be up here on the screen. I want you to consider these questions with me as we respond and we take communion.
Do you trust God? What is God calling you to let go of? This one here is big. Do you see the beauty of the gospel throughout all of history, including your own life? Do you see the beauty of the gospel being worked out through your own life? And then what promise from God are you holding on to right now? This Bible's filled with promises by God. Which one are you clinging to? Let me pray, and then we're going to take communion. Stand with me. God, you are good. You provide in every way ever needed. A lot of times, though, God, we don't trust that. So I ask that you forgive us, especially me, where I try to make idols out of acceptance and, and being in control. God, I pray that you forgive me of that. Lord, that you forgive all of us where we've clinged to things and not let go, where we've held on to stuff that we didn't trust you with and then, then wonder why we don't have peace. But God, I pray in this season of the holidays, Lord, that we, that we focus in on you. And that, God, that we, that we do find peace in these days, in this season, because of you, Jesus. That we don't try to find it in gifts or providing gifts for other people or dinners or meals or decorations. But, God, that we find peace in you and you alone. Father, I just pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you save them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 11 concerning communion. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let's respond to the gospel